This morning, the Bank of Canada announced it's raising the benchmark interest rate by 50 basis points, that's half a percentage point, to 4.25%. That's the seventh hike this year. So we're joined again today by Scotiabank's chief economist, Jean-François Perrault. He'll tell us what to make of this move and whether we are finally nearing the end of interest rate hikes. He'll also talk about a new report in which he breaks down the specific causes of our inflation problem as well as the significant role federal COVID support programs had in driving interest rates as high as they are. I'm Stephen Maurice, and this is Perspectives. JF, thanks as always for being on the show. Well, thank you. So the only question before today's announcement seemed to be whether the Bank of Canada would raise its key rate by a quarter point or a half point. They went with the half. How did they explain that decision? It's actually a pretty interesting press release. So they obviously, they went with 50 basis points, which is what we had been expecting and hoped for. Not quite what the market was expecting. So it's a bit of a surprise from the market perspective. But they basically explained it by saying measures of economic activity that they track for Canada, for the rest of the world, have been stronger than they'd anticipated. So more growth occurring in an environment where inflation is in fact slowing. So they point to, for instance, three-month measures of core inflation, which have come down significantly the last several months, still remain very high, but you know, do suggest that inflation momentum is coming down. So they wrap it up by saying, listen, we're doing 50, we're looking at the world outside our borders, you know, growth is stronger than we thought, inflation is starting to do what we think it's going to do. So we'll do this 50 and then basically, you know, we'll wait to see what happens. Right. Because one of the important things of this communique is that they took away references to, you know, the need for rates to go higher. This kind of unconditional, we're not done. We're in a world now where they basically wrap up by saying, listen, we've done a lot. We may be done. We're going to see how things evolve to figure out if, in fact, we need to raise more or not, which is a much more kind of balanced and nuanced statement than they've done in basically almost a year. Right. So I don't know if it requires special skills or training to be able to decipher the tone of those press releases. I read it and it felt fairly neutral to me, but I guess I, you know, I wasn't comparing it to what they've said in the past, but clearly you feel there is a different tone here, even though they're not saying exactly what they're going to do, that it is somewhat optimistic, at least compared to previous announcements. That's right. I think they're indicating that they're going to pause. Now, is that pause going to be permanent or temporary? We'll see. But the simple fact that they have indicated that you know they are going to pause is, again, a very different message than the, we still have a long ways to go. We still have some rate increases mm-hmm. to do, which has basically been a feature of every single communique since they've started raising rates. So you had anticipated a half percentage point increase, which is what they did. Mm-hmm. Do you feel similarly, I mean, at least somewhat optimistic about the way the economy is going to go in the next six months and specifically, I guess, around the inflation question? Yeah, it's a tricky thing, right? In the sense that we are optimistic that things are going to work out as we'd anticipated, which is to say the Bank of Canada is going to stop raising rates where it has today, inflation is going to come down, growth will slow, and everything is going to work out. Now, that optimism implies that growth is going to slow down. Mm -hmm. Now, that's usually not an optimistic thing to think, but that's the optimistic scenario for rates. What we've seen recently and what the Bank of Canada indicated is, you know, growth actually is holding up a little bit better than we had anticipated. So what normally would be good news, stronger growth, is actually a bit of a pessimistic outcome when you think about what it means for rates and inflation control. We're optimistic by thinking growth is going to slow as opposed to optimistic by thinking growth is going to accelerate or stay strong. So where does the recession question fit into all that? Because it feels like a lot of sort of confused signals or mixed messages 
growth continues, so does inflation. We have now have another interest rate increase. Most people still say, I think including you, that we'll have some kind of mild recession in the new year. Mm. Is that still your view? And how do those different factors make sense together? Yeah, that's still our view. Again, listen, you know, you control inflation in large part by controlling what happens to economic activity. So you have to engineer a slowdown. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to trigger a recession, but you need to slow down the economy. And it's very difficult to be so precise with your policy settings that you're going to get it just right, you know, just hit exactly zero, hit exactly one, exactly minus one on the growth side. So what matters above and beyond anything else is that we do engineer the slowdown. Now, if it leads to a bit of a recession, then, you know, it leads to a bit of a recession. Mm -hmm. It's not a dramatic outcome in the sense that this is required. Right. Whereas in the past, you'd have recessions that weren't required. They'd occur because there was a financial crisis somewhere or, or you know, some other development going on. Right. This we need to happen. And we think it's going to happen. I mean, every indicator that we look at suggests growth is going to slow. There's evidence that growth is slowing in some parts of the economy already. And we think that's going to build a little bit more as we go forward. So there is reason to believe that we are going to have, you know, 0% growth, a little bit of a negative, bouncing around zero for a few quarters. And we're increasingly confident of that in a world where particularly the Bank of Canada stops at four and a quarter. Right. So one last question on that, then we'll talk briefly about your report. I don't know how far ahead you look, but do you anticipate interest rates starting to come down at some point in 2023? We do, we do. So roughly, you know, roughly this time next year, we think interest rates will have gone down to four. So a start of what we then call a normalization of policy. And normalization of policy simply means that rates go back into what is a more neutral setting. And that is somewhere between two and three. So we expect that to begin later next year. But that, of course, is conditional on a lot of things that Bank Canada is watching, which is how is the economy going to evolve? What's going to happen with inflation? And is that going to progress at such a pace that there will be this comfort mm -hmm. later next year that we have got the inflation issue fixed to a very significant degree? Okay. Well, lots of variable rate mortgage holders are praying that you're right. Mm -hmm. So you have this new report out in which you have tried to determine specifically what is driving inflation. Can you tell us what the main finding of your investigation was? Yeah. So there's been this debate about inflation in Canada and elsewhere in the world as to what are the fundamental drivers. Is it global demand issues? Is it global supply issues? Is it domestic? Is it foreign in nature? And you know, while that may seem like not important to the typical Canadian, it actually has a very significant impact on how monetary policymakers deal with inflation. And the reality in Canada has been that much of the inflation, you know, probably close to three quarters of the inflation that we've dealt with, results from things that are kind of beyond our control. It's economic developments in the US, globally, movements in commodity prices, supply challenges, things that, you know, monetary policy in Canada can't influence. Right. And that's important. And because we know a lot of these factors are actually unwinding now. So that suggests that Going forward, this decline in inflation momentum that we're observing actually has a bit of legs to it. Now, the other thing that happened, of course, is that there are some domestic drivers of inflation. It's not just foreign. And one of the big drivers of that in Canada has been the pandemic support programs where governments provided, federal government in particular, provided very significant financial supports to firms and households to help them manage the pandemic. And that has meant that the economy came out of the pandemic much more robustly than otherwise would have been the case. And of course, because there is this link between growth and inflation, the more growth you generated, you know, the more inflation you generated as a result of that. And of course, that downstream means that interest rates in Canada have to be higher in response to some of these pandemic programs. So 
in terms of the interest rate increases, what you're saying is that they won't have a lot of impact on one of the main drivers of inflation, which is things that are going on outside our borders that we have no control over. But a lot of those increases were driven by the COVID relief programs in terms of the amount of money that was put into the economy by those programs. Yeah. So you you think of it this way. About 125 basis points of the 400 basis point increases that have now occurred since the beginning of the year, we link to these pandemic support programs. The roughly, you know, 275 other basis point increases that we've seen since then, that is linked to what we call kind of a normalization of policy, bringing interest rates back into the normal range, moving away from the exceptional stimulus that had been put in place for the pandemic, in fact, was still in place before the pandemic as well. That's just kind of a consequence of general inflation movements. When you've got an inflation increase, as we have, whether it's domestic or foreign, people's inflation expectations reflect that. If you go to the grocery store, you don't care if the price of bread is going up because it's a Canada thing or a US thing or a global thing. You just know the price of bread is going up. So you modify your expectations accordingly. And that requires a policy response, right? It might not originate here, but it requires a policy response. So it requires, we think, a move into a neutral setting. So it's a combination of that, a move into a neutral setting for monetary policy plus you know, another 125 basis points because of these things that the federal government did to try and help us out during the pandemic. Is that just sort of a factual objective assessment of the impact of the COVID programs or does it reflect some kind of <laughs> value judgment about them? No. So I think it's very clear that based on the work that we've done and, you know, kind of just general observations, to be honest, that we probably did too much on the pandemic support side. Right. And that is more clear now than it was at the time. So those programs were helpful. They for sure forestalled and prevented a much worse outcome. So there's a tremendous amount of benefit from that. Mm. But I think it's safe to say that we probably overdid it a little bit. You know, we had too much of a good thing. You can blame governments for that. I'm not really in that camp. I think, you know, it was a period of tremendous uncertainty. Governments are trying to do all kinds of different things. And it became clear at some point that they were doing too much. And I blame them for not walking those things back fast enough. But that's the extent of the value judgment, I think. Okay. All right. We will let you go momentarily. Just one last question. Heading into the holiday season, looking ahead to 2023, are you feeling better about it than about 2022? Well, this is, again, a bit of an odd situation, right? We had actually pretty strong growth this year. Obviously, inflation was a problem. Rates have gone up. It's been a challenge for Canadians. But, you know, we didn't register growth over 3%. And next year, we're looking at growth of, you know, well below 1%, maybe half a percentage point. So, you know, objectively speaking, next year won't be as good as, right. as the year we've gone through. Yeah. But why I'm optimistic is with, for instance, today's decision where the bank is basically indicating that four and a quarter might be the end point, or that's more likely to be the end point than we would have thought, you know, a month ago, two months ago. That is really important in terms of shaping views with respect to next year. Because the fear from an outlook perspective was inflation would not come down and rates would have to be higher. And therefore, the economic consequences to bring inflation down would need to be much more dramatic. So the fact that they're communicating this in some sense, a bit of a Christmas gift, not much of a Christmas gift, but a bit of a Christmas gift to folks who are paid to try to forecast what's going on next year. Okay, we'll leave it there. JF, thank you so much for joining us again. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Steve. I've been speaking with Jean-François Perrault, Chief Economist at Scotiabank. Perspectives Podcast is made by me, Stephen Maurice, Armina Lagaya, and our producer, Andrew Norton. 
who is interestingly invested in ensuring you never lose interest in an interesting interest rate episode. For a transcript of this episode, visit our website, scotiabank.com slash perspectives. We'll see you next time.